How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Food for it, cheer for uh, Kind of like it. Richard throws it in front. Carter, score! some swagger. Push come to shove, we're going to get it done. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. Okay. Hello, everyone. We are recording again on a Monday, so deal with that. It's a day late. You're aware of this now because you're downloading this on Tuesday morning. Um, and also, Diane is a little bit sick, so bear with us. We are doing this anyway because we want to make sure that we get to talk about the Kings and um, stay updated on everything that's going on. So how are you hanging in there, Diane? I am doing all right. Um, I'm a little congested, so if I sound weird, that is why. Okay. If it sounds like I'm crying in the background, I'm not. I know the Kings did terribly, (laughs) but it hasn't moved me to tears quite yet. I'm just very sniffly. Understandable. We will pretend that's the truth. We know you're crying about (laughs) the losses. It's okay. (laughs) Actually, we start with even worse news today because, of course, we both had the displeasure of... Well, not quite waking up to it, but seeing early on in the day, of course, um, Slava Voinov had his preliminary hearing. We're not going to talk about any of the details that were revealed in that hearing because they are graphic and completely disturbing and we don't want to trigger anybody. But we do just want to acknowledge that it happened. And one specific thing, actually, like if you do want to see details, uh, Larry Altman and Nathan Fenno both were there and were tweeting about what was happening. So you can go and sort of backtrack their feeds if you're interested in details. Also, the LA Times posted an article that was pretty good. And I thought um, Rich Hammond's article for the OC Register also did a really good job of sort of summarizing everything new that was learned. One tweet from Fenno that I will read, it just says, um, in the court, the lead prosecutor, Frank Dunnick, said there's evidence to suggest prior domestic violence involving Voidoff. A note on that, though, is that like, then there were no details provided by the prosecutor about what that evidence was, and Voidoff's attorney did not respond to it. So I think it was just, I just want to mention it because I think it adds another dimension to this that we haven't really talked about, is the possibility that there was previous violence and whether or not that involves, like I saw somebody ask Rich Hammond if any of the other players could be um, called to testify because the the case is going to trial. Uh, Voinov's attorney filed a motion to get it dismissed, was denied. He filed a motion to get it um, brought down to a misdemeanor instead of a felony, and that was also denied. So he's going to trial. His arraignment is December 29th. Um, and so, again, I saw somebody ask Rich Hammond, could a player be called to testify? It's too early to tell, Hammond said, but it's a possibility. So I just thought that was all like sort of an interesting thing. So I did want to at least mention that. I think it's a good time for us, though. Like, Diane and I have talked about it, how much, like, the, now, now the Kings sort of have to respond to this, not to the case. They probably can't talk about the legal stuff, but just the sort of, it feels like they've still been largely silent on the issue of domestic violence anyway, with the exception of like the very early comments from Dean Lombardi that were like, we have to do better as an organization and we fell down. And then he kind of like, I don't know, sort of undid some of that, those good things he said with his later comment about just being concerned with Whitehoff's career. So I don't know. What do you think? What would you like to see out of the Kings at this point? Um, I'd like to see them take some proactive steps to actually helping some like prominent domestic viol- uh, violence causes, be it national or, you know, local, because for them to really, you know, put their put their money where their mouth is, literally and figuratively, instead of just, you know, spouting words, actually, you know, making true, like all of those affirmations, like, we were already very disappointed in the fact that you know, Slava Voinov went out and skated, even though it was against the terms of his suspension. And to kind of, I don't know, show Los Angeles, show everyone that, you know, they're not complete scumbags and they actually do care. I like, I realize this is the first time maybe that they've had to deal with it. And so there are missteps. It's not great, but you know, it's not like they have 
uh, a history of consistently doing things like this, but I'd like for them to take this time now that it's in the public eye and you can kind of see people's uh, disgruntled responses to it to actually do something and change something now that all eyes are on them to be like a good representative of what you should do and like making sure that the victim is being taken care of and, you know, bringing like making noise and making sure that these these like organizations and these issues are, are being um, looked at and like raising awareness for them. There was some initial lip service paid to the idea that the NHL has programs and like I said, um, just a couple moments ago, like the idea of Lombardi being like, oh, we have to do better and make sure our players like we monitor how much like what they eat and how they train. We should be more involved in making sure that they treat others a certain way and conduct themselves in ways that, you know, don't involve committing violence against their families and spouses and stuff and or anybody. And we haven't really seen any transparency as far as like showing us what exactly those steps are like what are they doing specifically we haven't seen the organization donate any money to any like domestic violence shelter or something um something that i talked about with Shayna, who's of course written stuff for the thanks bud site was the idea of a verizon like hopeline drive because you can donate phones and then with their hopeline pro- program it works a couple ways like some of the phones they take refurbish them and resell them and then they the the protein the proceeds go to domestic violence programs and shelters and whatnot they also take some of those phones refurbish them and then give them to domestic violence survivors to use in order to help free themselves from the situations that they're in so it would be pretty, you would think, simple to have like a Hopeline Drive, get people who come to a game, bring if you have an unused phone or something, bring it. Like, I haven't even seen that, which seems like it would take so little effort. And I really, really yeah, think... Yeah, that seems like the bare minimum. Right, exactly. And I haven't seen the Kings or the NHL do anything like that. Not, not like, you know, that $100,000. We still don't really know where it went. They were fined. Now there's money somewhere in the universe, maybe. And who knows what it's going towards. That could have gone to something useful. So I think just like the complete inaction on the part of the league and of the Kings um, franchise is really disappointing because I think, like you said, it's not like we expect them to approach this perfectly, but I feel like they haven't really approached it at all. They've done everything they can to sort of not deal with the situation. I think you really nailed it with the whole, like, making sure that everything is transparent because... You know, it's totally fine to be like, you know, we don't have these programs in place and we should do better. So this is what we're going to do. You know, these are the things that we're going to make, you know, certain groups of people available to the families that they don't have to go through the players because, you know, that's where like the abuse would stem from. And like, you know, we've made sure that they know that they're like we're always here to help them or what have you. Um, and I definitely recommend, like, I know that I have a bunch of old electronics hanging around and I actually did donate my phones to Verizon, um, because it was a lot easier than going to the dump site to, you know, properly get rid of stuff. So make it go to a good cause. Um, and especially, yeah, it's the bare minimum that the, the Staples Center could do to like, you know, hang out with Verizon and be like, let's, let's do this since it's affecting our organization directly. And it was, it's going to be a lot easier for people to just come and bring an extra phone with them to the Staples Center um, than having to like make their way to go like recycle it. So why not have it go to a good cause? Exactly. And um, the, and I think of course there's still time, like they haven't done it yet and I find it disappointing, but there's still of course time for them to correct that. At the start of this month, the NFL finally sent out this like huge press release talking about the things that they had changed in their in a lot of things actually. They had they had developed some new partnerships to work towards fighting domestic violence and educating players. They also, I think, made it mandatory for um, players, personnel, etc., to participate in more trainings and whatnot in education. And they changed their conduct policy. And that part is actually under dispute because the NFLPA said that they hadn't even seen the policy before the NFL, the league went public with it. So there's some dispute there. And then like the National Organization for Women, the president, Terry O'Neill, like made this comment about the fact that even in the policy itself, yes, there are some changes, but one of the key things that that they still haven't addressed is something like a guarantee of um, making sure that the victims involved have some financial stability. The actual, I'll read you the actual quote. It says, 
There is no guarantee that economic support will be there for as long as it takes for a victim to get back on her feet and no indication that the NFL even understands that a six-game unpaid suspension could even spark a higher higher level of violence. So that's not perfect either, but at least now, finally, that league seems to be trying to take steps to be better and to be public about how they're trying to be better. And I really, really do hope that the Kings organization and the NHL do the same, you know, following those footsteps, because... Again, the goal here is to make fans safer, to make players' families safer. And I, because I also think it sort of reflects badly um, on how, what they think of their players. Like, oh, okay, so as long as they are physically healthy, like their own bodies, and they show up and play the game, we don't care about their well-being as humans. Like, you don't want to encourage, like, toxicity in these people that you pay a lot of money and you claim matter to you, so show up more for that. Kind of along the same lines, like, earlier this year when the whole thing with uh, Terry Trafford happened, um, and mm-hmm. talking about how, you know, while all the players might be physically healthy, they didn't particularly take into account, you know, you know their mental health at all. And so, once again, this is just... Uh, I guess kind of a wake up call to see like, hey, you know, maybe have like the entirety of like the human matter and not just, you know, what they can do for your team. Exactly. Yeah. And I again, I don't want to I don't want to um, as I say this next thing, I don't want to say that I think that the Kings turned a blind eye to previous violence that may have happened in Slavovoynov's home. I have no idea. But I think the idea that the prosecutor, assuming that that is true for a second, if there is prior evidence to suggest that there was more violence, the idea that they at least weren't aware of it or didn't like make an effort to really be aware of it. If like, again, this is a team who claims that everybody's very close and whatnot. So if that's true, why didn't anybody see it? And if they did see it, how come nobody, you know, tried to help then? And I get that it's difficult in that case because you don't, people feel weird about entering into another person's lives and matters. But but if you say you care, you should be doing more than you have been, I would think. And so that's all in the past now. It, what happened is, is, you know, has happened to that family, um, to Slavovina's wife, and hopefully she's being supported now. Again, we don't know. Nobody's told us, you know, regardless of what mistakes may or may not have been made, like in the past, I hope again, that they try to set a better example going forward. Yeah, we're jumping on this, uh, I guess not really soon, but I mean, this has kind of only just happened. And I realize that something's like putting programs into place takes time. So it's not like too late yet, you know, Um, I'd still like to see something done. So I mean, I'm not going to, well, I am judging them a little, but I'm not going to judge them horribly um, now that it it hasn't been already like put into place. Like the NFL has obviously had a lot more time to kind of craft um, something to present. But yeah, I'd, I'd still like the NHL to do something in the future at the very least. Me too. Um, so yeah, we don't want to spend too much time on that because again, we don't want to actually get to the point where we talk about the actual details, but we did want to address it a little bit. And again, like you said, I think the thing that we also want to emphasize is it's like, look, you are not past the point of no return in terms of like you completely bungled this thing as an organization. So please don't let it get there. Do something about it now. Like, you know, do something significant that pushes for change in the culture of not only the sport, but just in society in general. Like, again, be an example. There's nothing wrong with caring more about people and trying to do more to help and being proactive rather than just sort of waiting for problems to arise and then focusing on how you can sort of get out unscathed. I don't want that to be the motivation for trying to do right by people. Anyway, so that is happening. Um, Right now, of course, the Kings are not actually in Los Angeles. They are on a road trip. So we are going to now switch and talk about the on-ice play. Their record, I guess we might as well start with that, 15, 10, and 6 for 36 points. And they are right now just barely hanging onto a wild card spot. They were actually out of the playoff picture for a couple of days at least, but they got one point against Toronto, which was just enough to tip them back in. Good job on that, I guess. One positive? No, not good. <laughs> That's not good because let's recall that since last we spoke, you listened, the Kings got shut out by the Sabres. Oh, that's uh, true. Tanked 6 3 or 5 3. 6-3? Six, 6-2. Six, 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 two. Two. 
numbers. Um, 6-2 in Montreal. And then, I mean, they, I guess they won against the Senators. Good job. <laughs> I, I guess, guess that's, that's all okay. right. <laughs> and then barely squeaked by with a point against the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's been a, it's been a, a rough, frustrating time to watch the Kings. And I think the only like overall positive about the results aspect, because of course losses are never exciting for anybody, but the only positive thing about it is that it's like a familiar type of losing for the Kings. It's no long it's not like earlier in the season we were all worried that they would just constantly get outplayed and then the goaltenders would not be crazy perfect and then they would lose and then it would be because they're just a bad team for some reason this season actually the kings like on ice the underlying numbers look better and better like they look stronger they are just inexplicably inexplicably losing so at least we're familiar with that <laughs> it's you know an old type of frustration. yeah that that is uh, a disappointment that i am used to i'm glad that i don't have to get used to anything new um because then at least we could always sort of say to ourselves well it has to turn around sometimes they are four four and two in their last 10 games and then per dennis bernstein from the fourth period and you know i don't like <laughs> but he was the person who i saw write it this plainly, but the Kings have only won nine of their last 23 games. That's upset. That's deeply upsetting. That's like Oilers numbers. <laughs> it wounds Actually, that's, that's better than Oilers numbers because I think the Oilers have only won like seven games this year. Oh, that's rough. <laughs> well, it could always be worse. So, but still for the, like, the Kings team, who once again, like they're the defending champions. They've been a really strong team for the last few years. It is still frustrating to see that be the case for this team to constantly find ways to enter these kind of slums. You have such a great, like, top six, and we know what they can do because we saw it in the playoffs, just like all of those players be on fire. So it seems, I don't know, it seems like the, like the reverse of the playoffs where it was like suddenly everybody like hit their streak and like were so hot right throughout all of those games. Suddenly, none of those dudes are scoring. <laughs> not a single one. Yeah, Jeff Carter has not scored in 12 games, but... Once, once again, he's just one of those people that I'm not worried about. Like, he'll not score in 12 games. The Kings have won some, have lost some. And then he'll kind of, like, get his stride back and score, like, two points every game for the next, like, two weeks or something like that. Um, that would be dope. I know, right? Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, he's one of those people that I don't really worry about too much in terms of, like, scoring slumps or things like that. Weirdly enough, I was kind of worried about Andre Kopitar. I know I really shouldn't have been, but yeah, um, he's at least scoring. He's scored a goal recently. I think the thing that was um, worrisome about Andre Kopitar was that for a while, he was also not playing up to where he, he usually does in terms of possession. Like, he's the player that dominates, you know, on the ice for the Kings, and everybody's trying to catch him. And, like, last week we talked about how that had started to turn around. So so I'm now back to, like, being like, well, I'm not too worried. Um, eventually he'll start scoring more, too. With both of them, the only thing that does seem a little concerning, actually, is I was looking at some numbers, and although both – Carter and Kopitar are really high in uh, like Corsi, like when they're on ice, the Kings, a lot of shot attempts, right? But then when you look at how many of those attempts turn into actual shots on goal, it drops. Like they're weirdly at opposite ends of the spectrum. So I had, I didn't look at the specific numbers for Kopitar, but for Carter I did, like right before we started recording. So just to give you a basis, like last season, Jeff Carter had 67 missed shots total. Like, of his unblocked individual shot attempts, 67 of them missed the net. He had total uh, unblocked shot attempts, um, 246. 27% of his unblocked shot attempts um, missed. That's all. And so far this season, through 31 games played, he has missed 35 shots unblocked individual like his individual unblocked shot attempts are 81 so that's 43 percent of his shots that aren't blocked by somebody else are missing which is a problem and i think it could um correct itself definitely and he could definitely like maybe his aim will work it work out and he'll be able to hit the net more but so far if it seems like you've seen a little less of jeff carter doing what we're used to which is being a really really dangerous threat around the net it's because kind of he it's true like he's he's taking shots but they're they're not hitting where they're supposed to they're just not they're just not quality (laughs) shots he's just shooting wildly into the ether 
Yeah, like, and even even if he's in the scoring chance area, like, some of those shots are just not on target. And again, I don't think it's necessarily indicative of a larger problem. It's just sort of the state of things right now. And I think he could turn around as well. And it might even turn around if, you know, again, you said he hasn't scored in 12 games. He hasn't had a goal since the game against Florida. He's had two assists in that time. Um, So once, maybe the next time he scores a goal, suddenly he's on a tear. But but it was something I noticed and I thought was pretty interesting. And I think Kopitar, I would, again, have to check the numbers, but I think he's shooting less than usual this season so far. And so that's um, another thing that would change. Shoot more Kopitar, which is what everybody says, but at least shoot as much as you usually <laughs> do. <laughs> please don't be, don't, don't shoot even less. Yeah, please don't. Please don't regress. I mean, you've got a contract to sign <laughs> soon. <laughs> right, yeah. Please keep that in mind. You're going to get buku bucks anyway, but um, I would like you to just make it even more difficult on management when it's time to negotiate. Although, I mean, I'd like the cap, I, I saw like the early projection that it's supposed to be like 73 million, which is a decent jump. But again, we talked about how the Kings have $60 million committed already to next season. Um, We've already been wailing about our potential loss of Justin Williams and our readiness uh, to ship to off uh, Jared Stoll. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Justin Williams, that is somebody who I think we should talk about because despite the amount of losing that the Kings have done very recently, Justin Williams has been pretty great. He is, of course, always somebody who helps drive play. He's a great possession player. He is consistently one of the players who takes the most shots. Like, he's up there, even though he's not, like, known for being the goal scorer that, like, Carter is or that, like, someone like Toffoli is becoming, he does take a lot of shots and is a really quality player. And he's had five points in his last six games. That goes back to the Arizona shutout win. He had two points against Toronto on Sunday, including setting up Marion Gabrick's goal, which was at the time a go-ahead goal for the Kings. So Justin Williams, he's doing his part. He's working to get re-signed. We're going to need everybody else to stop taking time off. <laughs> Justin Williams really wants it, and so therefore he's doing everything in his power to be like, hey, you need me here. And we do. We really do. Yeah. I want him to stay around with his curly hair. You know, he's very adorable. I know he's like older than me and stuff, but he's very adorable. <laughs> I think it's it's totally valid to call him adorable. That's just what I think. Of. I'm like, you know, he's older and he has like kids and stuff, but you're just so cute. And of course, we can't leave out the other big, you know, like key possession player on the Kings, which of course, Jake Muzzin, who has 15 points in his last 18 games. So those guys still pulling their weight. Always very thankful for Jake Muzzin. I, yeah, that is astounding to me. Like, everyone's numbers are so mixed up right now. I don't understand, like, the leaders in, like, the last, you know, 20 games. It's all mixed up. Yeah. Although, I guess, I guess the Jake, the Jake Muzzin thing is kind of, is, like, consistent in terms of he, him being, like, a good possession player. And I guess in this case, since no one else is picking up the slack, him assisting um, and scoring goals and things like that. But still, those are not numbers that I'm particularly used to from him. But I like it. I think his, um, I think because last season he never truly went on any sort of like uh, point streak or anything. So, and I remember like it took a while for him to like finally get a goal or something because he had a, a lot of things where it was like, oh, he took the shot, but somebody else ended up tipping it or deflecting it. So it's it's been interesting to see him actually just rack up points in such a short amount of time. That's pretty fun for him. But yeah, again, consistent with him just playing really well. So it's becoming sort of like business as usual, but I hope he keeps it up because it's fun to watch him succeed. He's, I don't know, he's a great player. I really like Jake Muzzin. I'm a big Jake Muzzin fan now. How the tides have turned (laughs) since uh, we started this little thing. (laughs) Yeah, went from constant frustration, frustration at his rookie ways to now being such supporters of Jake Muzzin in his eyebrows. I mean, but that's how it is. He's, you know, was obviously wanting to prove himself and he has mm-hmm. and we have taken note yeah we're fair we'll give credit when it's due like um i got to tell <laughs> diane last night and what we will now talk about is i just wanted to give some big props to trevor lewis who has been working really hard and i feel like we say that all the time but it's really true <laughs> but now we have the numbers to prove it yeah. Now, now there's a little evidence, which is um, that I noticed when I was thinking about shots on goal and stuff and like looking at Kopitar and Carter 
very, you know, top level, noticed that when I was trying to figure out how well some of the Kings were shooting, Trevor Lewis is currently, he's played 22 games. 22 games played, he's second in the NHL in individual shots per 60 at 5v5. He averages 12.7 shots. So it's like one of the, I, I, I don't want to say it's like, oh, Trevor Lewis back on the top line immediately. <laughs> but it is one of those things where when he gets those opportunities, it's because he's earned it. He's doing pretty well right now. And he's obviously making the best of, you know, his time on the top line. So, I mean, mm-hmm. keep putting him up there every once in a while if things aren't working. I mean, we know that Sutter loves to change up lines if the, the tried and true usuals aren't, you know, producing anything. So, yeah. Throw Trevor Lewis up there. Maybe he'll score some more goals. Yeah, that's the only thing is if he could just figure out how to finish, then it would be beautiful. Then we could have the Trevor Lewis goal streak that we have been hoping that for, we deserve, for a while. That all of us deserve. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I need to already like go to Utah because the last time I was there, he scored like two goals in a game. So I'll just like go back to Utah so that right. uh, Trevor Lewis can go on some sort of goal tear. I mean, it's almost that time, so you never know. And even when he was on the top line, I think I remember because Kopitar and Gabrick were trying to get themselves together still, Trevor Lewis ended up having like five shots on goal. Like of those players, he was the one that was always taking shots at the net. And everybody was like, what in the world? (laughs) But it turns out it's not just because he was on the top line. It's because Trevor Lewis is doing work in general. Because again, he still spends most of his time in the bottom six. But dude is still like, I'm just gonna, you know, lead the NHL. Technically, he was the leader before the Toronto game. And then uh, Patrick Sharp passed him. So he's the only person who was shooting on net more often than Trevor Lewis. Of players who've played at least 200 minutes, I should say. I, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> no big deal. Just rubbing elbows with Patrick Sharp. I like can't stop smiling about it. It's awful. I'm like, you're doing so good. I think he might be older than me. So it, like also just like, you're, do- you're doing such a great job. It seems super condescending, but you want to like it. pinch his cheeks, which by the way, yeah, he had a much. goal this past week, which we should take some time to talk about because it was pretty in the, um, it was real nice. I really liked it. He got a really fantastic setup from uh, Tyler mm-hmm. Toffoli. Yeah. And then just like was super patient and was like, oh, wait, wait. And then just beat Anderson. Yeah. Great. The, the craziest thing, I mean, a few crazy things about that goal. First of all, Tyler Toffoli, like, which we've seen before, there was that goal where he, or that attempt where he was like, just going to dance around this stick on the ice. <laughs> um, this broken stick. It's not a big deal to me. But um, in that one, there were there was a guy, a defenseman, who was trying to cut his angle off. And he ended up falling and Toffoli just skate around him. And then in the pass to Trevor Lewis, I think there was a stick right there. And a guy was trying to, you know, stop the pass from happening. Toffoli, right, like, whatever. I don't care. It's going to Trevor Lewis. That's where this puck is going. And it makes it there. And Trevor Lewis, all he has to do is lift it a little bit to get over Anderson. But instead of lifting it a little bit, dude goes right, right behind the crossbar. (laughs) All the way up. I want to make this look as fancy as possible. I was slightly worried because it's one of those things where, like, everything slows down and you're like, okay, well, if he he just, you know, shoots that right, it's going to go in. But I'm still burned by King's missing wide open nets. Oh, for sure. That I was like, oh, God, what if it just is like an odd angle and it just takes like a super wide angle past that uh, that mm-hmm. right post there. Yeah, but it, yeah it could have gone like straight that up perfect. and missed the crossbar and thus would not have been a goal. But he got it just right. And it ended up looking very, very pretty. And you could even tell, like, when he went to sort of celebrate it with everybody, everybody, like, just kind of like, ooh, (laughs) wow. Well, aren't you fancy? Um, That really actually kind of reminds me of, like, in terms of everyone being like, oh, look at you all, fancy schmancy, (laughs) is when um, Dwight King, or as uh, Jim Fox called it, had, like, a little dipsy doodle last year. Right, um, In that game against the Sharks, and all Jeff Carter had to do was put a stick down and went right in. But, like, Jeff Carter did not celebrate his own goal. He was just like, the hell was <laughs> yeah. that? And just, like, looked straight over to what, like, Dwight King was doing. And then uh, as they skated to get their, like, fist bumps at the bench, him and Kopitar were just kind of, like, looking back, like, did you know that Dwight <laughs> yeah. King could do that? I don't know. <laughs> and it was just, 
it was so like everyone was so baffled like jim fox was baffled everyone was laughing about it but it was so good that. and i felt like that's kind of uh how trevor lewis's goal was as well being like well check you out Mr. <laughs> right yeah pants. okay cross martin down okay <laughs> really 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 <laughs> nice goal and uh, actually i i want to take a second to talk about dwight king because i believe it was in the toronto broadcast he's talked about yeah because it was after um because he got a goal so while jim fox was talking about like during the replay of dwight king's goal um he mentioned that dwight king has actually been now like working on his stick handling like overall and his underlying numbers are very they're kind of rough so far this season for dwight king but i wonder if part of that is because he's trying to evolve his game because on that goal the goal itself ended up just sort of sneaking between Reimer's pads. But like leading up to it, how he got to the net is like he had great control of the puck on his stick and then used his like body, like stuck it out to make sure that nobody could get around him and to sort of maintain space between himself and the puck. And it was just really nice work. But then also something that didn't get talked about as much was that it, the game when they played against Philly, he had this like great chance it might have been in the first period i can't remember exactly but where he just had this like crazy toe drag move that was sort of similar to what he did in that sharks game and i was like oh is this just like a thing dwight king wants to do now apparently yes he's been working on it he made he made himself feel really good with that pass to jeff carter everyone is improving themselves and i'm really excited about it obviously jake muzzin is uh his improvement is particularly you know productive for the kings but like Dwight King and Trevor Lewis and Kyle Clifford, you know, are working hard and doing better. And that's kind of cool to see. Because, <laughs> like, it, it's not like mm-hmm. the rookies where you're like, oh, they still need to learn, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, you, you talk about their evolution a lot. But, you know, these bottom six guys that are just kind of, you know, doing work, still working hard. Um, and they're playing well. And that's very cool. Yeah. which So, I mean, it makes me think, like, like people have said, when the goals start going in again. Like, it's like we, it's very frustrating to watch them get down two goals in the first period or to lose or whatever. And it seems like they have so many chances that don't go in. But the, the good thing is I think when they do start going in again, we could be in for some really exciting times. So I hope that happens fairly soon um, and that these guys continue to play really well because I don't have a lot of complaints overall. I think um, the only thing that's concerning about their play on the road actually right now is that their special teams are still struggling a lot. Like even when they get great chances on the power play, again, they're not finishing on them. And their PK has been what has burned them in the last few games it uh is was the thing that burned them in the game in montreal like if they had not given up those if they had not taken those penalties and then given up those two power play goals maybe the complexion of the game is totally different and then in the toronto game as well was um a power play goal from james van reemsdyke that ended up tying it 3-3 and then the kings eventually losing the shootout i want their special teams to be better but even strength and whatnot, things look pretty good. Yeah, and uh, also in this past week, they finally let in their first shorthanded goal of the season. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which I liked them being perfect in that, just because on the flip side, they had four shorthanded goals themselves. So that was kind of a, a bummer. And even more of a like, yeah, your specialty teams aren't doing great by letting mm. in a, yeah, that's a, a shorthanded goal. Pretty nice indicator. And um, that, yeah, that was a game, that was the Ottawa game too. And that was a play where it was like Dowdy thought that one thing was happening and it totally super turned out to be not the thing that was <laughs> happening. <laughs> and then suddenly there's a goal in the back of the net. But then he made up for it um, pretty much right away because then he had that great pass between an Ottawa player's legs to Kopitar who got finally, like you said, got his goal. And that goal was really pretty, really pretty. Some pretty goal, uh, pretty goals in that game. Yeah, that was a nice game to watch for the Kings in terms of goal scoring. Because we're used to them scoring, like, the dirty goals, but they had some cute ones. <laughs> Go. <laughs> okay, so apparently the theme of this podcast is us calling, like, sweaty older men cute. <laughs> Look, I make my fun, you know, where I can find it. <laughs> yeah, they've, they've lost more games than they've won, obviously, this week. So we're just going to take it by emphasizing how cute everything else was. That's not weird at all. I know the results are a mess, but look at my cute detail. (laughs) (laughs) 
my house is a mess, but look at my knickknacks. That's how I feel about the Kings this week. Oh my gosh, that was just like, I like looked around my room just now. I was like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel about them. So cute goals. And uh, even like in the Toronto game, the Gabrick goal, it was in tight. So it wasn't like some, you know, some of the things we're used to seeing from Gabrick where it's like real pretty. But the effort from Justin Williams was great. Like, and then the pass... Again, right through some players who were trying to cut off that pass to Gabrick, who had to have two efforts because Reimer actually stopped the first one. And then the rebound, he got again and and knocked it in. That was great. And I felt really good for Gabrick because this is his fourth game back and Sutter called him out for his conditioning about not being able to keep up with the entire 60 minutes. So it seems like an indication that he is finding, you know, game speed and whatnot again. And that's very positive as well. Yeah, so... I know that the outcomes weren't what we would have liked, but, you know, other aspects of the Kings game um, are trending in the right direction, Mm -hmm. at least for certain players. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, things are looking okay. I think, I think everything will turn around on its own fairly soon. Um, Of all of those goals, if you can think through them for a minute, which one would you say is your favorite? Mine is definitely going to be the Trevor Lewis goal. Fair. (laughs) I really like that goal too. It's good. I guess, I guess I'll say the Kopitar one is mine just because it was that between the legs pass was really nice from Dowdy and then Kopitar, you know, forehand backhand is is always very pretty. And it was sort of reminiscent of his goal against the Sharks in game seven that ended up being the series winner. So there we go. <laughs> yeah, that was a really nice goal. Like, I rewatched the, um, is it is it called, ad- no, it's not called Adversity. What's the Sharks uh, Stanley Cup moments thing called? The comeback. The comeback. Thank you. Duh. Um, I was rewatching the comeback and, you know, everyone talking about how time slows down when someone scores, like, a goal like that. And it's like, yeah, that was, that was good. I like that a lot. I also, like, I don't, I... Did I? I don't know. I think I mentioned it online, but I did. I do also need to say again here. I love that the other thing about that is like the superhero music starts to like swell as he's about to score that goal, which is perfect because it's how it felt. <laughs> I feel like that goal is when I was like, oh yeah, they're winning this. Yeah, that was <laughs> they're winning because it, it was just slick, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Like yeah, that that was really good. But I really enjoy the super dramatic music. Yeah. I'm like that's that's Hollywood. That's how it should be. I do need to say, um, I'm a little frustrated with Daryl Sutter, and the reason that I am frustrated with Daryl Sutter is because of Tyler Toffoli. <laughs> and I, we have talked a little bit about it, or like touched on it at times in the past, and Tyler Toffoli is just really good, okay? He's the Kings points leader still. He's got 23 points in 31 games, and my least, or my new favorite thing that's slash my least favorite thing now is when I watch away broadcasts and they bring up how good Tyler Toffoli is. And that happened, I think, in both the Montreal game and the Toronto game on the Sportsnet feed. They were, I think both broadcasts at some point were like, and look at Tyler Toffoli and the season that he's having for the Kings. He's one of the younger players and look at his points and he plays such limited minutes. And I'm like, yeah, I know. (laughs) Why doesn't he play more? Put him on the ice more time. But then we talked about this, you know, like sometimes, you know, maybe Daryl is like holding him back just a little. Maybe he's not ready to play the full thing. And the reason that he does so well is because he has time to rest. But still, I am with you on this one. Just throw him out on the ice any chance you can get. There was this moment, I think it might have been in the Ottawa game, where he had a shot attempt it looked like he was too far behind the net. It's the kind of shot that we would make fun of like Trevor Lewis for because he loves to try to shoot from behind the net and it never works for him. But Toffoli was pretty much either on the goal line or just almost right behind it. And he takes the shot that ends up going all the way across and then doesn't hit anything. But on the replay, you could see that what he was trying to do was aim for the goaltender's back to bank it into the net. And had he hit it, like, had he just been, you know, slightly more to the left or something, it would have worked. And this play, though, it was like a a loose puck that he saw, and it happened so fast. And it was like, this dude's instincts are amazing. And he's such a quick thinker in terms of, like, getting himself into places to score and trying to think of ways to make that puck go in the net. That It is crazy to me that he doesn't play more. And I, I do think some of it is because 
like we said, Daryl Sutter doesn't totally trust him defensively, which I understand. But I did look up some numbers just so you know how frustrating this is for me. <laughs> Tyler Toffoli averages 14 minutes per game. At, 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 that's overall. Um, so that's including like his power play time and penalty kill time when he has it. And at five on five, he plays 10.7. Of the Kings who've played 200 minutes or more so far, the only Kings player who plays less time on average than Tyler Toffoli is Kyle Clifford. Can we think about the difference in like that caliber of goal scorer for a second? And Kyle Clifford plays 10.6 on average. So it's not even like he plays a, a minute less or something. No, they both play basically the same amount of time at even strength. And they're very different players. One of them is, in fact, again, the points leader for the Los Angeles Kings. And um, like we talked about Trevor Lewis being second in the NHL in individual shots per 60, Tyler DeFoley has played all 31 games, and he ranks 13th in the league with 10.68 shots. Um, this is a five on five per 60 minutes. And that is more than people like Tyler Sagan, Nathan McKinnon, Alex Ovechkin, Patrick Kane. Play Tyler a fully more <laughs> so he can score more goals. That's what I need to happen. Well, now that people are kind of failing at scoring goals, Jeff Carter, Kopitar, Gatwick, things like that, maybe that'll give Sutter an extra push to be like, well, he actually, like, Tyler Toffoli actually seems to be scoring things, so let's let's yeah. keep him out there. Mm-hmm. He picked up two points in the Montreal game. Like, on the Kings only scored two goals. Tyler Toffoli had points on both of them. So, uh, the dude is just good. Just let him do his thing more. And um, I get, like, obviously defense is really important for the Kings, so Sutter's going to continue to punish him when he makes mistakes in the defensive zone. But it also just, like, is so tough for me to watch because I'm like, come on. He's so good. Um, speaking of that Montreal game and things that were tough to me- for me to watch was Martin Jones. Oh, my God. And how drastically his save percentage dropped because of that one horrible game. <laughs> yeah, it was so disappointing. He was at something like what was like nine four seven or nine nine four one something like that nine four something at the start of that game and then afterwards he had dropped down to like nine twenty one <laughs> that's how bad that game was he left that game with what point seven mm-hmm no yeah a very attractive seven hundred <laughs> save percentage <laughs> um especially after last year when he shut out the Canadians like I was like, yeah, let's do it again. It's going to be great. And it was Mm -hmm. the opposite of that. It was, oh, the complete flip. Yeah, that was rough. And the Kings, I mean, and again. The Kings didn't help him out either. It was weird. It was like they had played really well. And then it seemed like, though, every mistake they made was like the worst mistake they could have made. (laughs) It was like, oh, but then they took a penalty. Oh, but they're, they've been really great. And then, oh, they allow a rush opportunity. It, it was just stuff like that, where it was, it was not even like he couldn't control rebounds. I think most of the things that he let in were off the rush or during the power play, you know, one-timers or something like that. So it was very weird, but still a bad night for Martin Jones, yeah. especially that third period. But I mean, I guess technically it's only been one game. Mm-hmm. Or that, that's really the only game that he's been super terrible in. Yeah, it just came at a very unfortunate time. <laughs> but yeah. but it, 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 he, he's okay, I think. I think he'll bounce back. Yeah, he'll be fine. It was just painful to watch. So now the Kings have the home-and-home home situation against the St. Louis Blues. Last year, I'm, I'm not really sure what to expect. Like, there was a game, they had a few games against the Blues that they did really well. The last game, because they've already played one against the Blues, right? And they got slaughtered. But because of Jonathan Quick, they won that game. So it'll be interesting to see which version of the Kings show up tomorrow. Or this might go up Tuesday morning, so tonight, (laughs) if that's the case. Well, I mean, maybe both versions of the Kings can show up. One in St. Louis and one in in Los Angeles instead of playing twice. But hopefully it's a good version. I mean, hopefully they, I mean, they had the shutout from Buffalo. They came back with a win for this against the Senators, and then a horrid loss against the Canadians, and then whatever shootout lost against the, the Maple Leafs. So maybe it, now it's like another kick in the pants to be like, "Hey, you got to be better." You know, yeah. we're you're still being pretty darn shitty on the road. I just I don't know. I'm always like hopeful that 
you know, they've learned their lesson or, you know, this time it'll be the time when they figure their shit out and we'll pull out a good game. I don't know. But I hope that Brodeur plays. Do we know who's starting? Mm, no. Hitchcock hasn't said. He's been pretty coy about it. But I, fe- I feel like it has to be Brodeur, right? He's going to start one of those games. He's going to. So very excited. Even if he doesn't start tomorrow, I hope he starts at Staples Center. Oh, that would be even better. Never mind. I don't want him to start tomorrow. He should start on Thursday. <laughs> yeah. That would be pretty perfect, and I'm still looking forward to that. So hopefully Broder on Thursday. I don't care what happens tomorrow, but Broder on Thursday, please. <laughs> That's what we need. That's true. That's That would be incredible. All right. So I think that is all of the King's news that we have. I don't know. Was there anything else that you heard going on that you want to talk about? or um, About the King's, no. Let's talk very briefly. They don't deserve to be talked about. <laughs> yeah. Do better. Win some more games and we'll spend even more time on you. Uh, so briefly, I guess, before we wrap this thing up, let's talk about the news that we actually woke up to this morning, which was that the Edmonton Oilers had fired Dallas Aikens. I don't understand the Oilers. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand the choices that they make. This is a very broad statement, but at this point, all I can say is, like, it's a real head-scratcher, this team. Yeah, I don't, like, when you have, so I saw that Edmonton has apparently had six coaches, or fired six coaches in the last seven years. When you've had to do that, it's probably not the coaches. Like, and before this, they fired their goaltending coach. It probably is not the goaltending coach either necessarily so i love that mctavish is gonna take over yeah like, are you guys good. sure that you want him i mean obviously they don't have a choice but like really you're gonna like the the orchestrator yeah. of this all you're gonna now just put him behind the bench will he get to fire himself when things don't go right <laughs> maybe because <laughs> i don't think a whole lot is gonna change he still is a terrible gm so what can you do really i mean it's kind of funny in that like because he's ha- like had he's put together this roster that doesn't work really but now he's gonna coach it as if to say well look you guys just aren't doing it right you aren't seeing my vision so now i'm going to do it <laughs> and watch it still fail I mean, it should be amusing, to say the very least. Um, I will also say that I don't actually think that it was fair to Egan's to follow him, or follow him, to fire him at this point, <laughs> because Jonathan Willis wrote this really interesting piece before the before he got fired, like, I think the day before, about the Oilers' record and how they really haven't actually been playing as badly as their wins and losses make it look. And this kind of, I don't know if it adds any credence to the firing of the goaltending coach. Maybe not. I think it really is just a reflection on, like, Scrivens going, possibly going through a, a down time. But 2013, or 2013-14, last season, Scrivens played 21 games. With the Oilers, he had a record that was 9-11-0. So, you know, bad. <laughs> and he had faced 741 shots, 62 goals against, and had a save percentage of 916. This season, he's played 21 games for Edmonton again, losing record, but they faced 551 shots, and he's let in, again, 62 goals, so his save percentage is 887. So the Oilers, despite all appearances, have actually allowed almost 200 fewer shots, but Scrivens has still allowed the same amount of goals. So it's not necessarily all the defense's fault. They've done better technically on the ice and um, the goaltending just hasn't been there. But I don't think that, I think that's going to regress. Like, I don't think Scrivens isn't, you know, 887 goaltender. I think that's not going to be, it's not going to stay that way. So um, in the article, Willis wrote, if Scrivens were sporting 2013-14's 9-16 safe percentage over his 21 games this season, that alone would have reduced the Oilers' goals against totals by 15. That's more than two fewer goals against every three games. How much difference would that make to a team that has lost 11 contests this season by a single goal? That's pretty crazy, actually. Yeah, that's kind of nuts. It's But it's like the little things like that that you realize how competitive and how close all of this is absolutely and how those points really do matter like i you know last season when the devils could not win a shootout to save their lives you know everyone added it up if you would if they had won just half of those i think they would have made it into the playoffs yeah like it's amazing or you know or like or something crazy uh drastic like that um so yeah if 
just a few more had been saved, like we might not be making fun of the Oilers and Eakins might not be fired. Yeah, I don't think necessarily they would have been a great team or anything, but I think it would have just been (laughs) less bafflingly bad than it has been so far. And so because of that, I'm like, I'm in this sort of weird, you know, opinion of being like, well, maybe you should have just let the Oilers stay the course for a while, (laughs) which is totally the wrong thing to say. Like, they obviously need to make changes, but just not the change that they made. (laughs) They really just need to start trading people. Yeah. Free Taylor Hall. (laughs) seriously my opinion taylor hall deserves so much better put taylor hall on i don't know i just want to see taylor hall in the playoffs he's just really good and it really just infuriates me constantly that i've never seen him play a playoff game i'm sure it infuriates him that he's never played in a playoff (laughs) game true he's probably more angry than i am yeah uh that actually that reminds me of uh the stars because of course they've had an inexplicably rough time this season and tyler sagan saying that i'm just tired of losing (laughs) i can't even lie to you i'm tired of losing (laughs) i mean he's honest about it (laughs) so that's rough i I bet that is how lots of oilers players feel as well can you imagine that just like for the entire time that you've been like in the nhl just losing so many more games than you've won for someone as good as like taylor hall yeah that's yeah that's rough and, like, I mentioned last week, like, the quotes from Ference about, like, how it's difficult to get people in the locker room going. He didn't name any names or anything. But, yeah, we talked about that. Like, how much losing can you do before it's just, like, not even fair to keep those people there? Yeah, it really isn't. Anyway, clearly they're still not ready to make any bold moves. Even though people have already started writing pieces speculating that anybody could be traded. Like, they haven't done it. So I'm at this place with the Oilers where I'm like, I'll believe it when I see it. But I hope they do let some of those guys go. It would just be kind. (laughs) Um, All right. I guess we could get out of here. Are there any parting words from you? Um, Let me think. No, I don't think there are. I just want the Kings to win. There are three games this week. I just want them to win more than they lose. Me too. And the Calgary Flames have like lost like their last five games. So there's actual potential for the Kings, despite the losing that they have done, to win the next few and gain some ground back in the standings. Don't waste that. <laughs> please. This opportunity is in front Lots of, of you. Take it. Yes, please. Uh, yeah, that's how I feel. I just want to, I want them to win more. I want to be happy about the Kings winning games this week. That's what I need. Yeah, so that's all from us. Uh, I don't know if it will be out already when this goes up. So if it is, check it out. Um, if it is not, uh, check it out when it's up. The hashtag hockey podcast I was on with the girls who are who set up and are running Hockey Fights TV. I was talking with Bob Spencer about all sorts of things related to women in the hockey or participating in hockey uh, fandom and blogging. So listen to that as well. Um, As usual, tickets to the games, TicketMonster.com. Go to our schedule page. See if there are cheap things for you to buy. An alternative to StubHub and the Ticketmaster resale. You never know. Could find some cool seats. Um, If you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at ThanksBud or individually, I am at Chanel Berlin. And I'm at AKA Diane Fan. And if you want to email us rather than tweet us, that's fine as well. Chirp at ThanksBud.com. That is how you reach the both of us. We will both see it and respond to you because we are nice people and we like to interact with folks. Until next week. As usual, please take care of yourselves, and we'll talk to you then. Bye, friends. Bye, everyone.